Wellness Force Radio, episode 16. A lot of times you finish these challenges, detoxes, etc. You don't actually have any tools to move forward in the rest of your life. And so you look for another challenge to give you a set of artificial rules to follow. Welcome to Wellness Force Radio, where you will hear inspiring and passionate experts in the areas of wellness technology and behavior change. Your host, Josh Trent, will empower you with the knowledge and tools you need to take the very best actions in transforming your mindset, your body, and ultimately your life. Now here's your host. Wellness Force Radio, welcome back for another educational and inspirational show. I am your host, Josh Trent. Thank you so much for sharing your day with us. This show is all about finding the most inspiring and passionate experts in behavior change and wellness technology. These are the thought leaders. They dedicate their lives to empowering others with knowledge and tools that drive real transformation in our physical and emotional wellness. All the show notes today and the free gifts can be found at wellnessforce.com slash radio. If the show means something to you today or resonates with you, please share it with friends or family that you care about. I depend on your ratings and reviews and iTunes to keep bringing on amazing guests like our guest today, Steph Godreau. So please, if the show means something to you, leave us a five-star review in iTunes. I would so appreciate it. Now, let's jump into the show. Today, I am so excited to be talking to holistic nutritionist and owner of Stupid Easy Paleo, Steph Godreau. Steph, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. This I'll wave. I'll wave north because you're right, you're right there. <laughs> yes, we're we're in San Diego, but at separate parts, right? So um, this is really cool. I have I've been following your work for a while, and I'm excited to jump into your your story, your background, the impact that you're creating, not just in paleo and not just in primal and CrossFit, but for people across the world. I mean, you've created something really special. So today's show is all about paleo nutrition your story of overcoming this, what seems like a crazy sugar addiction from what I read, Mm -hmm. and also how to easily integrate people into this primal and paleo living. But I'm super curious because I've seen you all over the media. And what is something that people might not know about you? A lot of people don't know that prior to working on Stupid Easy Paleo full-time as my job, I was a high school chemistry and biology teacher. So that was my first career. And I did that for 12 years, which is a pretty long time. (laughs) You know, I always thought I would make it past if I made it past the five year mark, I was doing well. And then I woke up one day and I was like, Oh my gosh, it's been 12, 12 years. It's, it's a sizable chunk. So yeah, not a lot of people know that some people do, but it's, it's kind of my, uh, pre-story. Cool. Doing all the stuff that I do now. And and it probably comes through in your work too, because with all those years of education, I mean, we're all little kids inside. So whether you're teaching high schoolers or adolescents, like that part of us still wants to learn. And we want to learn on this very simple level, you know, make it easy, like a 10 year old can understand. I mean, we hear that a lot. Yeah. You know, I have a master's degree in education and my bachelor's degree is biology, human phys. So I, I really have that, those kind of two pieces that I use every single day. And a lot of people are like, well, you, you had a master's degree and now you don't teach anymore. But I really believe that at my core, I am a teacher and that's what I'm doing. It's just now I have a global classroom and it's not defined by physical four walls. I just teach every day and I love it. So I feel like I I do use that 
on a consistent basis. So cool. Let, let's read your quick bio. So in case in case someone hasn't heard about you, maybe they're under a rock or under a bamboo <laughs> tent or something. Um, Steph, she really essentially helps people get healthy, happy, and harder to kill. Cool name, by the way. Thanks. Through nutrition, fitness, and mindset work. So as she mentioned, she has a degree in biology. She was a high school chemistry teacher for 12 years. She found paleo and CrossFit in 2010, which changed her life and work essentially forever. She is the author of the most anticipated cook book, Paleo by Paleo Magazine in January 2015, and a number one bestseller on Amazon in June 2014 with her book, The Paleo Athlete. Mm -hmm. Really cool for me. She is the host of a number one ranked iTunes show podcast, Harder to Kill Radio, Forging Unbreakable Humans. I love the Forging Unbreakable Humans. Where did that come from? It, it came in part from this idea of being harder to kill. And that term, hard to kill, I first heard from Mark Ripito. Um, so the quote goes something like, strong people are more useful and harder to kill in general. And so I was at a nutrition seminar at CrossFit Mission Gorge here in San Diego. And I was talking about, hey, you know, not everybody is quote unquote an elite athlete or wants to be an athlete in the sense of competing and putting yourself out there and making sports your number one priority. But what do people want? Like, what, what do we want? We want to be healthy. We want to be happy and we want to be harder to kill. And it kind of came out of my mouth as this one phrase and people were just kind of, you know, nodding and smiling. And I thought, all right, we're onto something here. And, and that's what's been resonating with folks. So the idea of building unbreakable humans is really to figure out what are the qualities and characteristics that people around the world demonstrate when they're resilient, when they can withstand extreme challenges in their life. Um, and whether that's physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, you know, what are all the things that play into that? Because I think at our core, at our, the, the essence of being human is we, we want to have a fulfilling life. We want to be happy. We want to be able to withstand the challenges that come our way and come out of it. Okay. On the other side and not, to, not to sound morbid, but at the end of life, you look back and think no regrets. Yeah. Lived, none I of lived, us, none of us are getting out of here alive. <laughs> I, I lived fully and I'm satisfied with that. Yeah. So that's where the idea of forging unbreakable humans came from. Like, who can I talk to in this world? Because my guests have come from all, all aspects of, of health and wellness, but who can I talk to that is working toward um, helping people achieve some aspect of that and yeah. sharing that knowledge with other people? Very cool. Well, I'm curious too, what comes up for me when I hear you talk about forging is strength, but strength mm -hmm. isn't just muscular. I mean, a lot of people you've had on your show are all about psychological frameworks, you know, things that are really helping people with their mind. And I'm curious what, what came up for you during that 2010 phase where you just found CrossFit, you found paleo. What was that like for you? I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of people that are just learning about it. It's interesting because in this, in this small bubble of CrossFit, we're like, oh yeah, CrossFit and paleo, everybody knows about it. But sure. in 2010, you didn't. What would you say about that? Yeah. So there were, there was, there were definitely a lot of moments where I thought I need to tell everybody this is amazing. And, you know, at the time I was still, I was teaching. Um, I didn't have any conception that in a couple of years time, I would actually be leaving my job to pursue this one as my, as my career. But I just thought I feel so, I feel so much better physically. Um, I, 
I'm doing well at my sport. I tried something new. So I, I was still mountain biking at the time, but I was coming off of a, a season of pretty depleting Xterra, which is off-road triathlon racing. And I was doing lots of endurance mountain biking. So really just kind of worn down and depleted and, and burnt out on, on cycling in general. And so I, I was trying, you know, tried CrossFit and I was like, you know, when you put yourself in that environment of learning something new, no matter what it is, like learning and growth, you can't, I mean, there's just something about that, that creates happiness and joy. Even if you're, if you, if you do it and you think at the end, you're like, "Mm, maybe it's just not for me. But for me, I found those things that really resulted in me feeling challenged. And I think that's really where the magic comes in is when we stop learning, when we stop challenging ourselves, we stagnate and then we die, whether that's physically, you know, physically, um, our mental state. And as you mentioned, that mindset, that frame, that framework that we build for ourselves in our mind is so powerful. So if we can always challenge ourselves and and continue to put, you know, you just kind of raise the bar a little bit and you strive for that. Um, that's, that's really how 2010 felt to me when I look back on that sort of stuff. And I, I again, I had no idea where any of it was going, but <laughs> it was just enjoying that, yeah. that something new and challenge. And that's the most authentic here. You were learning about something for your own struggles, for your own health. So you could get better. I mean, that's where the most things are born that are true and real, but you know, your philosophy of stupid, easy paleo, where did that come from? Did, was it like the forging, um, unbreakable humans? I mean, did you wake up one day and you're like, wait, I want to make it stupid easy. <laughs> you know, I've always, so I've always liked to cook and food's always been important to me in some way, you know, cooking and being in the kitchen. And, and even when I was going through my like healthy eating phase where it was all tofu and were you logging calories? Um, no, but for, I did do weight watchers for a while. This is kind of in my twenties. I did weight watchers. I did, I was a vegetarian, not a very good vegetarian. I'll, I'll add, cause there was a lot of, a lot of processed food, right. That yeah. sort of stuff. Um, and so when I was doing that sort of stuff, I just knew that it was, I mean, I knew it was, I was eating, I was putting food in my body, I was cooking, but it just didn't, it wasn't working for me. I knew that kind of deep down, but I started cooking, um, when I, when I was doing paleo too. And so I started putting my recipes on my personal blog at the time. And a couple of friends of mine were like, why don't you just make a food blog? And I thought, Okay. You know, I had no idea because I would blog a lot about my racing and my training. So I started putting recipes on my food blog as kind of almost an online recipe box. Mm. This is really before those things sorts of sort of existed five years ago. And so I would, I would blog recipes and it was just simply because I wanted to remember what I made or people would ask me, what's the recipe for that? Mm. But my philosophy has always been to, to keep it simple and to know that if you're going to stick to something long term, it has to be manageable for you. And I enjoy shows like Iron Chef as much as the next person. I'm like, what kind Ooh, of crazy? Cat Cora. Right. What kind of crazy yeah, techniques yeah. are they going to use? And, you know, that sort of stuff. But for the average person, they just want to know how to make food that's going to taste good and it's going to be relatively approachable. So from the very beginning, that's been the philosophy that I've taken in my own kitchen. So people often ask me, where do you, you know, where do you get the recipes that show up on 
on the website or in the book or whatever. And, and I'm like, that's the food that we eat. That's the food I make in my own kitchen because that's the food I enjoy. Hmm. So it's always been to, again, to, to challenge people a little bit, but to keep it manageable for them yeah. and to make sure that they're able to stick to the changes that they, they want to see happen. And it's interesting because there's two phases, right? There's the mental and the physical. For the physical side, what did the early training days of CrossFit look like? I mean, did you fall into that early gap where you had like shoulder impingement and injuries? Did you have to work through any injuries? Because I've seen that happen a lot as a coach and a trainer where someone would do CrossFit and CrossFit's amazing. I'm not knocking CrossFit at all. It's an awesome training tool, but there are some boxes out there and some people that just get overzealous and -hmm. they'll just train and do kipping pull-ups. The next thing you know, they're like, oh... CrossFit is, is bad because I got injured. How, how, did, yeah. how did that happen for you? It was really interesting because coming off of so much mountain biking, I had a lot of sport-specific um, skill for that and overall general weakness. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, people would say, oh, well, you can go out and ride six hours or 12 hours or 24 hours. You know, I'd go out and ride 100 miles at a time off-road, which is – you know, doing it on road is even is challenging, but doing it off road is even harder. So I'd go out and ride 50 to 100 miles and people would think, wow, you're so strong. But I had a lot of sports specific strength and my general strength was needed a lot of work. So when I first went to the gym and first went to CrossFit, I had a really great engine. I had a great endurance, but I couldn't jump on a 16 inch box. Hmm. 16 inch. I, 16 inches. Whoa. Yeah. Like I had, I had almost no explosive power. I sat with a closed hip position in my sport, right? Pretty much. Um, aside from the little bit of swimming and running I was doing in, in the previous season, but most of my training, I would sit with a closed hip position and, uh, had a lot of posterior chain imbalance. I had super overbuilt erector spinae and really weak <laughs> hamstrings. So I had like a lot of these muscular imbalances and, um, I don't CrossFit anymore because I focus on Olympic weightlifting, but I do train uh, at a CrossFit gym that has a weightlifting facility attached to it. And I, I coach there as well. So I still am in the community. And I think we, the community has come, a really, has come really far in understanding how to, you know, if you're going to have a facility where people are, they're respected, you know, their goals are respected, but not only that, they're treated with the, the care and attention to properly instruct them. Just, just like there are bad, I don't know, franchises of whatever Subway, like <laughs> they're bad, it's probably bad Subway franchises out there. Um, even though they all kind of are fall under that umbrella, there are, there are certainly CrossFit facilities that are not keeping those things, you know, they're not keeping the safety and health of their members in mind. I didn't really have anything happen to me in the early days. Although recently I found a video of me doing clean and jerks for probably the, it was probably the second or third time I'd ever done them. And so this is five years ago. And I showed, I put it on our gym Facebook page and people were like, that was you because I, it was just such an awkward movement. It was so <sighs> new. But my point was you can, if you stick with something long enough, you can learn how to do it and you can do it really well. You can develop proficiency. So, um, I didn't really, the first injury I had was a couple years later. So Pretty soon I got hooked into the competitive side of, of CrossFit and training. Shocker. Yeah, shocker. <laughs> Just replace one for another. And the the biggest injury I had was because of my own ego. Um, and it wasn't because of the the inherent nature of the movement. So it was I was deadlifting. It wasn't because deadlifting is dangerous. It wasn't because um 
well, dangerous if done properly, it was because I let my desire to look cool slash, you know, not give up slash not listen to my body get ahead of me. And I always say that ego is the most dangerous thing in the gym. It's, it's rarely like the inherent nature of squatting or the inherent nature of deadlifting. It's when you push too hard and you know that you're, <laughs> you're going a bit above and beyond what you can actually handle. And that's when I got hurt. But, you know, I've, I came back from that and rehabbed that injury 100% and I'm stronger than I was then. And now maybe call it being older <laughs> and wiser. <laughs> but I really listen to my body a lot and I train less than I used to. Mm. So. And the, the intuitiveness can come from eating or from exercise. But when you work with people, because I know you're a weightlifting coach, right? Mm -hmm. So when you work with people, what's that like when you get a super neophyte, they come in with like the like green grass on their shoulder and they're like, Steph, make me strong. Like, what do you tell them to prepare them for the phases they're about to go through? You know, it's, it's hard because novices oftentimes make, they have progress every week they're progressing. I got a five pound PR, I got a five kilo PR, you know, and, uh, and those of us that have been in it long enough know that eventually that's going to wear off. So there's that, they're excited because they're seeing improvement. You know, you get that positive feedback, that positive reinforcement. You're like, yeah. as long as I come to the gym a few times a week and I do it, <laughs> I'm getting better. So there's, there's definitely that. And I think that the tough part is, is when they get into that, they're not super green anymore, but they're not yet an intermediate level lifter. So they're kind of in between and maybe their gains have, have slowed down a bit and they're thinking, well, that just means I need to actually do this more, mm. right? I need to exercise more. I need to come in maybe one or two more days a week. I need to eat, maybe eat less. Sometimes people think I have to eat less. Um, and, and they get into that phase where it's like pushing probably too hard under recovered. And that's where, you know, you have to, you have to know your athletes and it, a lot of people have a really hands-off approach to coaching or they think, it's not my business to, to tell somebody this or that. And I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty off the cuff with people. I had an athlete yesterday who was, I was coaching and he was squatting, front squatting and, uh, missed a front squat. And I was like, you think you're going to go put your weightlifting shoes on now? Cause he was squatting in sneakers, you know? And I just kind of called him out and, uh, and I do it in a joking way. And I, and I know when I know who I can, you know, be a little bit tougher on than yeah. others, but you know, you have coaches have that burden and that responsibility of, of speaking up and being an advocate for their athletes because so often people don't self advocate or they, they think they're going to trick their coach. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if you know them and you are, you know, you kind of know where they're at and what they're capable of. Sometimes it's especially more common with females is um, holding back a little too much, right. Being afraid. Um, maybe they're not going to go up and wait because they're scared. And a lot of times, and again, not to be stereotypical, but a lot of times on the other side, it's the guys who are pushing too hard. And I, I see this happen in both, but it seems to be a little bit more common. So it's, it's really about knowing who you're working with and, and paying attention and asking questions, knowing what's going on in their life. Um, we have a lot of collegiate athletes at our gym because of where we're located. So it's like, Hey, you guys are going through finals right now. Okay. Well, maybe it's not the best time to try to max out your, 
you're clean or you're snatched, you know, you're sure. got some fatigue going on there. So you just have to know who you're, who you're working with and care enough that you're going to see them succeed mm. and ask and ask the hard questions. That That's a great point too. The hard questions are all about like those thorns that people have like belief <laughs> systems. So they might be an A type personality and they're like, yeah, I got this. I can do finals. I can PR by five kilos. I can, I can do it all. But this, one of the things we talk about on the show is behavior change. And it's a great segue to some of the programs that I see the standard journey, the hero journey, the unbreakable journey. You have this program and I think you're closing the doors in a week, right? Or a yeah, little less. Soon. And I see a ton of behavior change implementation in there. I read a book recently. It was the habit loop by Charles Duhigg. Have you, are you familiar? I'm not, I think I've heard of it, but I've not, I've Such not read a it. great book yeah. and it falls in alignment with the way that from what I can tell you coach and teach, because he talks about this behavior loop of, of a cue an action mechanism, and then the reward. So mm-hmm. how do you address that in your level one, two, and three program that you're having? And tell us a little bit about that. So the way, so when I was, if I can kind of sum this up quickly, um, the program is really the culmination of the last five years of me understanding how food has worked for me and how food is kind of the, I talked about this on the show yesterday, but food is the gateway to hook a lot of people into this healthier lifestyle. It's, it's very concrete. You can see it. Like we're all enticed to buy beautiful food. Um, we have to, we have to eat to survive. You know, there's just so many, it's social, it's cultural. Like there's so many levels on which food is an important way to, to get people interested in addressing this healthier lifestyle. But my transition from more of an endurance-based type training, which wasn't suiting my body, um, it was causing a lot of, uh, if I, I don't know, I guess I would call it, it was causing me a lot of problems in terms of what I felt about my body and always fighting against, you know, like, hey, I'm not actually not skinny enough to be a mountain biker. Mm-hmm. Like I had a lot, of, a lot of body issue images and how now lifting is so much different for me. And I, I get to focus on what my body's really capable of doing. Lifting feeds that kind of primal part of my brain. <laughs> and a lot of people have described that as well. Like it just, there's something about it that you can't compare pulling something heavy off the floor, or doing a heavy squat, like that sort yeah. of stuff. So it's really the culmination of the last five years of my personal experience together with um, what we know is effective from a physiological standpoint. And I don't, I don't, uh, I don't approach the nutrition component of stupid easy paleo as a, like, this is a historical reenactment of what paleolithic man ate and the caveman sort of meme, uh, that sort of stuff. Cave floors are uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) It's just not, it's just never been, I take a much more pragmatic approach when it comes to nutrition and, and saying, Hey, let's figure out what works. Um, we know these these are some kind of general physiological truths, but let's figure out what works for people. So the, the program is really the culmination of the last five years of my personal experience together with what we know works for people. And so the way the nutrition and, and the fitness are developed is and, and kind of woven into the program is to give people enough of a stimulus that they see change but not so much that it's going to kill them. Um, and then the, the mindset piece that goes along with it is, is understanding that, Hey, you've got to do, if, if you want to make this change stick, because I don't want people, I don't want people to be repeat clients. <laughs> Unlike 
a lot of what you see out there in the fitness and, and diet industry is, is like, we're going to sell somebody something that's actually not going to, it'll work temporarily, but it's not going to impart a more permanent type of change. So I want people to, to learn the systems that work for them, you know, food prep and that sort of stuff. I want people to know that there's a way that they can get into the gym and work on stuff really effectively, but not spend every single, you know, a lot of people don't have every single day, hours and hours to spend, but they want something that's effective. And if they're going to make those changes stick, they've got to address this, this piece here, the, the mindset piece, the habits, the goal, goal setting, but action taking, because setting goals and not following through is just half of, you know, that's, it's only doing it halfway. So you have to know how to make change, you know, have to know how to, um, take action, and there are components of the program that are things like figure out who in your life isn't isn't supporting these goals that you have. And if you can, weed the friend garden. And it, I mean, it sounds it sounds <laughs> kind of cruel, but it's true. It's like yeah. we 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 are the most supported when we have community behind us. And whether that's a virtual community or you know going to a gym community or what or fa- friends and family, but who we surround ourselves with is is makes a huge difference and what we're able to kind of push through and, and get to that next level. So that's really what the program is designed around is every day giving somebody an action that they have to do because a lot of people need structure at the beginning. And then it's like, all right, now you know how to do this for yourself. You can decide which foods are going to work best for you. Now you know how to weave in the fitness component in a way that's safe and sane (laughs) and is actually going to help you get closer to your goals instead of further away. And now you know how to deal with, okay, something really serious came up in my life. What do I prioritize first? And I feel like a lot of the programs out there, the, the juice detoxes and the fitness challenges and all this stuff, it gives people a temporary paradigm and it's usually really strict and you're either, Hey, you followed the rules. Good for you. You made it through. And then you get to the other side and you're like, well, now what do I do? My kid just got sick and I can't do all these, you know, I can't stick to the the challenge the way it was done because it's just really extreme. Or, you know what, drinking juice all the time isn't going to support my long-term health. So now what do I do? So you, a lot of times you finish these challenges, de- detoxes, et cetera, you don't actually have any tools to move forward in the rest of your life. Yeah. And so you look for another challenge to give you a set of artificial rules to follow and give you those constraints. So that's really what I've, I'm hoping that people get from the program is that, and my tests group was like, now I just kind of have a better idea of how I'm going to manage all this stuff. I love that you said, I don't want repeat clients because essentially (laughs) like that's what a great coach wants. They want to work with their client and they want to send them on their way with all these new belief systems and all these new tools. So you, you've read the book. I had heard on one of your shows, Gretchen Rubin, right? Better than (laughs) before. (laughs) I am an upholder. What are you? Um, well, I've read happier at home and the happiness project. So I haven't read the newest one. Oh, you got to check that out. I love it. Yeah. So Um, she talks about the four different personality types. Yes. You know, I can't remember because I've, I've done the the little test and I can't remember which one I am. Okay. okay. But basically, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about following the rules. (laughs) Me too. Um, yeah, but but yeah, like in terms of her, she's so in, in happier at home, she's got moderators and abstainers and I'm more of an abstainer if totally. that gives you any insight. Something that I've, 
personally struggle with in my life is discipline being freedom Mm -hmm. because discipline is looked at as this like negative word. So when people say I'm disciplined, it's like they're losing something. It's like something is being lost. Mm -hmm. But essentially for people that like that outside structure, that psychological framework of something greater than just them, Mm -hmm. discipline can be this beautiful open, loving, creative space where because you're doing your morning practice and because your workouts and your food are on point, it creates this like relief. And that's something that I've discovered more and more and more through technology. And I'm curious what, what pieces of tech, if any, do you use either in your business to grow your community or for yourself in your health and fitness? Gosh, you know, I'm a really, so when we were trying to schedule this this podcast, you're like, well, if you have your online calendar and I do, I finally, I finally installed like Google calendar on my phone. So that was a big step, but I'm (laughs) I'm a really big, um, paper and pencil type of old school type of learner. And, and for me, because I'm a very visual learner, writing things down actually helps me to remember them. And so typing it out on a screen just doesn't have the same effect. But I'm trying to think of, um, I'm going to actually look at my phone here, what I use on a pretty daily basis. So obviously connecting with people on social media is a big thing. And so I, I use different you're like You're like a Periscope that. pro right now. Like <laughs> I, I get these notifications like Steph's on Periscope for the 17th time in 12 hours. And I'm like, all right, I'll check her out. <laughs> well, I'm trying hard not to be that person. And I'm, I'm almost always Periscope once a day because I'm like, I don't want, you know, I've followed a couple of people and it's like, 50 different notifications. I'm like, you don't have that many things to say in one day that are that important to you. I like so. yours though. Yours are like how to do a squat properly, right? <laughs> like very like, like chunks of information that are easy to digest. So that's cool. I'm, I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying to, to talk about the things that people ask me about a lot too. Yeah. So, uh, on a daily basis, I do use headspace, which is a meditation app. And aside from other social media, the app that I use most often and is called Fertility Friend. <laughs> I track my basal body temperature. My girlfriend uses that, yeah. <laughs> uh, and actually, that for me was a, a pretty big change in in my like my own personal health journey. Was deciding to um, get off of hormonal birth control for for the first time in like twenty years. So I've been I've been tracking that for about a year now, but. Yeah, that's the one that I use on a pretty consistent basis. But other than that, training-wise, like I just I, I write down my training in a training log, and I talk to my coach about it. And I, that's the luxury I have. Of my my coach is is the owner of the gym that I go to. So, and we've been working together on and off for almost the last five years. Mm. So we know each other pretty well. And uh, he can just kind of take a look at me. And I always joke he can see in slow motion, but he can he just kind of watches me lift, and he's like, "All right, I'll adjust your training next week," and this and that. But you know, sometimes I'll use stuff like Coach's Eye to analyze lifts and stuff like that. But on what, is a, that, what is Coach's Eye? Coach's Eye is a really cool app for uh, analyzing video, and and I use it for analyzing people's lifts. Mm. So you can draw on the video, which is kind of cool, and you can record that. So um, my husband also is a. Uh, I, I kind of call him the squat doctor because he likes to fix people's squats, but he was virtually coaching some people from, you know, that didn't live locally. And so they would send him a video of them squatting and he would watch the video and you can record voice over it. You can draw, you know, you can circles and lines and angles and all sorts of cool stuff. And then you send that back to them. So it's, it's almost like you're, you're getting coaching 
that's a bit more specific on the video that you send in. So it's it's a video analysis app that's really helpful with sports. But yeah, I don't I don't use a whole lot of other techie stuff. But I love the two pieces you said where you have this meditation app. I mean, I found that yeah. the Muse brain sensing headband. Have you seen the brain sensing headband? I have, and I haven't looked into that yet. We had the the CEO on the show and she talked about kind of her journey in creating it and just it's to shut off the voices. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of voices that go on in people's heads. You touched on it when you spoke about, you know, uh, your language to yourself about your body. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of women and sometimes men struggle with that same thing. What are some action steps for people that you work with or people mm-hmm. that you're designing this program for to shut off the voices or at least turn down the volume a little bit? You know, it's really hard to, it's really hard to turn off everything And I think a lot of times people think, well, I can't do meditation. I've tried. I've tried to lay in a quiet area or sit quietly and clear my mind. And it's not about clearing your mind. It's about acknowledging when you start to drift off and bringing it back. And that in and of itself is a really important skill. So in, uh, in my own lifting, for example, one of the things, one of the very first things you learn in, in the headspace meditation is just how to, how to breathe for a count of 10 and to keep your mind focused on that. And that for me in weightlifting has helped me tremendously yeah. or in other areas of my life when I'm starting to feel like, um, I'm getting away from myself. Like my stress is that, that total adrenaline response. You start to you know, somebody says something, you read something and you're like, you get that fight or flight sort of sympathetic response starts to run away from you and, and to, to slow yourself down and center yourself and, and bring it back to your breathing is probably like the most fundamental thing. And, and for me, that's, that's helped as a weightlifter getting too ramped up, getting too far over the edge into that sympathetic zone for me is not good because I need to have just a little bit of reserve and not go, not go, not go too crazy. But for people, if they're just starting out, um, to again, understand that you don't have to work on clearing your mind a hundred percent and then also understanding how your subconscious works. And my friend, Shell Hamilton is, is amazing at this. And I learned this from her, but basically your subconscious doesn't know the words no or don't or can't. And so this is one of the most simple things that I tell people if they're, if they're saying, okay, I don't want to eat cookies, right? And so if they say, you can't eat cookies today, you're no, don't eat cookies today. Your subconscious only hears cookies. (laughs) So you continue to think about cookies because it's what you've given yourself subconsciously to, to think about. And so learning how to substitute for what you do want to happen. And I think this is probably one of the most powerful things. And one of the most basic things I I teach people is you have to start thinking about what you want to see happen or what you want to focus on. And same thing goes with coaching. If I tell somebody don't do this, they're going to do it. (laughs) Um, One of, one of the, one of the coaching cues I used to hate that people gave me with CrossFit was don't come off the bar. So pull-ups were always really hard for me. Don't come off the bar. And the very first thing I wanted to do was drop off the bar. But if you said, hold on, keep going, one more rep, like whatever you wanted to say there, it's some kind of positive outcome. It's so much easier for people to stick with that. So instead of saying no more cookies, you can't eat cookies, you say something like, 
that apple is delicious. Mm. Or, you know, you, you put in your brain the picture, the image, the smell, the color of what you do want to focus on or, you know, whatever action, other action it is in your life. And your brain, your subconscious understands that, but it doesn't understand the words no or can't or don't. And so by, so I had a, a guy uh, send me a message and he's like, you know what? I keep wanting, so he's doing a whole 30 right now and you're not, you, one of the things you can't eat is butter. It's like, I can't Oof. figure out why I can't, you can have ghee, but you can't have butter because yeah. of the, the proteins and stuff. So he's like, I can't figure out why I just, I want to eat butter all the time. And I said, well, I want you to replace it with what you, what you can have, you know? And so he's like, actually, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, if there's something that you're struggling with and you want to change in your life, start thinking about the things you want to see happen, or you want the chain, the type of change you want to have rather than what you can't have. So for context, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, I hate my love handles. Well, then <laughs> your body's just going to be like, keep the, keep the love handles. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is it's not, that's not something that's not actionable. Yeah. Right. So instead of saying, geez, I, you know, um, I'm so fat in my, around my belly. Right. What are, what are the things, first of all, what are you going to do about that? What are you, you going to do about it? Just sitting there saying you hate it isn't going to help you change anything. So if you have a gym membership and you're like, you know what? I'm going to the gym three times this week. There you go, right? That's, that's, a, that's something that's actionable and that's something you want to focus on. And even more powerful, get an accountability partner. If that helps you, tell somebody. And I know a lot of people get kind of crazy and they're like, Facebook, everybody's telling me where they're checking in and doing this and that. A lot of times that's the people's way of being accountable. Totally. Even if they're not asking for it, they're putting it out there to somebody else other than themselves. And it's their way of staying accountable. So find somebody you can be accountable to. Cool. And I love that you have a private Facebook group. I mean, I've caught myself checking into like a yoga studio and being like, I made it. It's 6am. I made it. So I completely resonate with what you're saying. I want to, I want to wrap up the show. This has been amazing talking to you. It's really, I don't know if anybody's told you this, but you're super easy to talk to, which is probably why you're a good coach. Um, but I want to ask you this question and this is something powerful for everyone. Everyone gives their unique and expressive answer. What is, what is your definition of wellness? Hmm, I think on that for a second. Wellness is really the total package. You can be completely well physically and be really mentally unwell or vice versa. You can have a great state of mind and be physically really unwell. So when it comes to wellness, it's really, I like to think of it as a tapestry. As a tapestry, you've got all these different threads or strands and now it's up to you to weave those together and everybody's tapestry looks a little bit different because the things you choose to do, you know, the, we know that there are best practices out there for wellness, but the, the, the unique flavor of what you choose for those, you know, the colors of your threads, I guess you could call it are really up to you. And it's up to you to find what resonates with you in terms of wellness. So how you manage your stress, how you work on getting better sleep, how you feed yourself and nourish your body with food, how you introduce movement into your life. Those are really, you know, and then of course things like play and, and rest and, and those sorts of things. But those are really the, the four main things that I talk about with folks. And it's like the unique color of your thread is up to you to figure out. So go out and experiment, try new things, 
and start to weave that together into your own tapestry of wellness. And hopefully you get, as I said, it's like really morbid, but you get to the end of life and you're like, man, I freaking nailed it. Like I had, I I had a great time. I I learned a lot. I experienced a lot. And and those are the things that stick with you. Um, You know, the things that, that can't be taken away are your experiences. Awesome. Thank you for that answer. Um, Where can people learn more about the program now? By the time this goes up, uh, the program will probably be closed. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I want to let people know where they can reach out to you and learn about you if they haven't heard of you before. Sure. So you can find uh, the hub for everything is stupideasypaleo.com. And we will be running the program a few times a year. So it's uh, it's not going to be a once a year sort of thing, but you'll just have to get on board to get notified when the next round will be happening. And anywhere on social media that you can type in Stupid Easy Paleo. My, my two favorite places to hang out are Instagram because I'm a really visual person. So that's a great medium. I know I see your food photos. I'm like, man, these are beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. And, and Periscope. So I'm on Periscope and I, I really like that because I can, I can get up there and teach. And and I, I try to do that once a day. And again, that's all at stupid easy paleo. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. This has been super fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to coming on your show and, and sharing a little bit of my story and Thank you so much for what you do. I mean, you've gone through the gamut of personal development yourself as a teacher, as a coach, as a woman. So your story is authentic. And thank you for just sharing that with people and inspiring people. Sure. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Seth Godreau, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. Head on over to wellnessforce.com slash radio for all the links, show notes, and bonus content. If you're interested in changing old habits with new technology, download your free digital health transformation guide at wellnessforce.com slash radio.